Welcome to Becoming Referrable, the podcast that helps you become the kind of advisor people can't help talking about. I'm Julie Littlechild, and today my co-hosts, Steve Worshing and I, are speaking with one another. And we're going to shift gears from client referrals to referrals from centers of influence. Now, we talk a great deal about what makes a business more referable. And the reality is that the things that make you referable are the same whether we're talking about referrals from clients or other professionals. You know, advisors share so often that they believe that COI referrals can be one of the best sources of new business. And at the same time, they say they're just not getting the best possible return. Now, we happen to believe that both of those statements are true, but that you can greatly improve the number of referrals you get from professionals by understanding why they don't refer more now and getting intentional about how you nurture those relationships. So we'll talk tactics, and I think you'll get a lot of value out of the conversation. And with that, let's get straight to it. Well, Julie, today we we want to talk about referrals, as we always do, but we want to talk specifically about um, a source of referrals that is very attractive to advisors and and that a lot of advisors are challenged by, and that is centers of influence. So... um, uh, first, let's let's start with some of those frustrations. You know, there, for a lot of advisors, there are a lot of things that they've tried that that don't don't seem to work. And you know, what what kinds of things have you heard about that 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 don't seem to work, or what kinds of things have you heard back from advisors about some of their challenges with this? Yeah, I think you're right. There's, you know, I think it's generally accepted that COI referrals are a great way to go. And then uh, such a large proportion of advisors, to me, will say to me some version of it just doesn't seem to work. Mm-hmm. Right. It just uh, I can't make it work. And um, the two things that I think uh, jump out at me when it's not working in, in that sense is, uh, first of all, that we start looking at it as a referral strategy instead of a client engagement strategy. And and I actually think it starts with client engagement, because if if you can build a network of professionals uh, around you and you're doing that because you know it will add value to your clients and and your ideal clients so that would influence who's in that network yep. then you should <clears throat> want to do that just to add value right but right, exactly but it, it forces you to to focus on who the right people are and when we think of it that way i think it changes our perspective and then the second part of that is is related i suppose um and that's just that too often when I hear, like I'll, you know, I'll use an extreme example, but you know, well, I, I called, I called that accountant and I said, uh, uh, you know, are you interested in having me work with some of your clients? And they said, no. Uh, so clearly, <laughs> right. clearly that doesn't work now. You right, know, right. Sure. Yeah. That's extreme, extreme but yeah, I get it. Extreme for emphasis, but, right. but I think the point is that we're, we're too often we're thinking about the approach as more like a, a referral pitch. Hey, what can I tell you about me that'll get you referring me to your clients right, right. instead <clears throat> of saying, I'm looking for partners. Right, legit- right. If you are legitimately looking for a partner to add value to your client, the fact that they they provide referrals and are reciprocal, I think, should be part of the criteria there. But I do think that that gets you much closer to an effective strategy. So, absence of those two things, I think that's 
what we see going wrong. What about you? Well, I, I think that's exactly right. And, and you know, the, the, so it, just like many advisors approach referrals generally, um, it, it, I, I boil it down to the difference between marketing and sales. Okay. And, and many advisors approach referrals from a sales standpoint, which is I want to do a transaction, right? I want to ask and then they'll give me and then, you know, that'll work. And that's not how it happens. And that's not why it happens. And so I think, you know, some of what you were observing there is that, you know, they, they're approaching it from a sales standpoint. They want to sell the center of influence on giving them referrals when really it should be about marketing and it should be what, what can I communicate to folks uh, and how do I get into re- into a relationship with them? Because ultimately, referrals come from relationships, and <clears throat> so it's all about developing that. But there are some other things that contribute to that, um, and, and that make it that make centers of influence many of the ones that we that we talk to uh, even more more of a challenge. And you know, a lot of it has to do with um, you know what risks do they face? So you know, we in the in, in the financial advisor space, talk a lot about the fiduciary standard and how can we become better fiduciaries and how can we do things more in a fiduciary uh, vein. Um, you know, accountants and attorneys, th- th- this is not a conversation for them. They've been living it for a long time. And so they, they, really, they really get the whole fiduciary thing. And so they, that's, you know, it's a reflection of where they're at a different spot than we are. And so they, they have they have that fiduciary responsibility to their clients. And, you know, so there are risks that they that they take on when they uh, if they were ever to share a uh, thing. And so you can't do it with a transaction. You have to do it with a relationship and really sort of help them understand how uh, referring somebody to you, a specific client, is a way of fulfilling some of that fiduciary responsibility to that client. But, but you know, what, 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 what have you observed about what centers of influence expect if, if they were to get into a, a referral relationship like this? Yeah, you know, going back a while uh, now, we did some qualitative research where we interviewed a, a a range of COIs. I mean, accountants and lawyers primarily, we weren't trying to expand the Mm -hmm. scope and really looked at what what they were looking for and what got in the way. And um, I think what you mentioned certainly is is one of the top issues. They they are risk averse and they're risk averse for a reason, right? Like that it's not, and anything that smacks of salesy is is problematic right so so i think we have to accept that um the the two comments that i think were most common were that you know you mentioned relationships and i think it was a version of that that trust takes time right Mm -hmm. you don't call me and next week i'm going to refer to you right right it's a relationship and we need to get to know one another and it takes time. And this is a long-term strategy. And, and the feeling was that not every advisor took that time. Um, And then the other piece of it was, and and maybe it's related to taking the time is getting to know their business so that you can also refer the right people to them. Right. So often advisors, uh, would say, well, I, you know, I'm referring some business to you and, and in the hope that reciprocity, reciprocity would kick in. But if you're referring the wrong people to them, 
because it's not the focus of their business or they don't want individual work, they want corporate or they have their own, you know, so I, th those are the things that came up and it's, yeah, you're right. It's just all about taking the time to understand, to, to say, I need to vet these people the same way I would yeah. vet partner with my business right and that that's one that's one way that you can demonstrate your fiduciary approach right. is you know one one way that i'm really fond of um that advisors can pursue is to um is to when they talk with a center of influence to say something to the effect of you know when we do our business when we create recommendations for our clients we often find that we need to pull in other professionals to help mm -hmm. them implement some of those things whether it's writing a will or doing preparing their tax return or those kinds of things so we always want to make sure that we have a good current vetted list of people that we can recommend so would you be willing to get together for a little bit to tell me what you do and what you do really well and the people that you right. specifically do it for so that if it makes sense to put you on that list i'll know what context to do it in so when i meet the right person and we have a need for that i'll know when it's the right time to uh to recommend that they talk with you so, I mean, are there other ways you think that you can reduce the risk that they're feeling? Well, um, part of it is is it needs to go beyond the investments because if it's just the investments, then the, the, that's a humongous risk. I mean, if, if, if a center of influence refers somebody to you and we have a bad market and the client gets angry that their portfolio went down, well, then now they're going to be angry at the guy who referred them to you. So... Um, you know, so that's a huge, so one way of doing that is, is making sure that you're taking it beyond uh, the portfolio and doing, you know, a broader kind of client experience um, and, uh, you know, d providing real value from, from other kinds of advice and planning and those things. And part of that, from my perspective, is, um, is having a process um, that is tailored to your target client. Because if, if, if a center of influence understands that you have a particular expertise in a particular kind of client and you can show them, okay, so when someone comes to us, here's what happens. Here's the process that they go through. And it's not just simply we have a discovery meeting and then we present the plan and then we implement things but it's more of we examine this and we explore that and then you know we address this particular issue and then we formulate you know solutions because we have these different solutions for that kind of person that that lowers the risk dramatically it, it's you know the process that we use here is um uh is you know understand the client understand their unique challenges and then have a plan uh, to help them overcome those challenges. And I don't mean I do a plan for everybody. What I mean is that when we find people in this particular situation, we know how to get them through it. And this is how we do it. And so if you present that to a center of influence, then they can come to realize, oh, this is, I get it. You have some expertise at this. You have a strategy for helping people do this. And that, that I, from my perspective, that dramatically lowers the risk because now that center of influence has an understanding of your expertise and where you're going to where you're going to take those clients if 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 they come to you well you put me in mind of the interview we did some time ago with evelyn zolan as well who's right. you know one exactly. of those rare advisors who gets the, the majority i still believe of her business through cois and and we should probably link to that because you know I think that's your, it's a, it's a similar message where she's, yeah. she's telling people, th these are the problems I can solve. Think of me when this problem comes up. Not, right. Exactly. Yeah. I do everything. If you happen yeah. to meet someone who needs wealth management or right, something right. equally vague, give me a that's, call. Yeah. She's, I, I refer to her all the time yeah. and because the, because she has, if, if, 
if you as an advisor can take your business to where she has, you know, and I, and I remember it clearly because I repeat what she said so often, which is, mm-hmm. I don't want all your clients. Right. But if you have a woman who's in this situation, we're your firm. And then Perfect. she can prove to him why. And that's that's extremely powerful. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I, I think about um, one of the, the simple tactics that we've often worked with advisors on to figure out who what this network should look like is to, you know, put the simple hub and spoke, put the client at the center, mm-hmm get the spokes going and figure out all the different professionals in their lives. And, you know, these are all potential centers of influence, right? And, and helps think about the network. And in that example, the client is at the center. But I think often what we think about with this is the advisors at the center, the advisor is the quarterback right, for the client right. <clears throat> and is bringing to, you know, the situation, all of these different professionals. Like, do you think that helps or hinders the communication yeah <clears throat> well I, I think I think it hinders now an advisor may believe that they're the quarterback of the team and there may be good reason for the advisor to be the quarterback mm-hmm. you know that they uh, you know that, that that the attorney does something specific and the accountant does something specific and each of the other advisors does something specific and then the advisor can be there as a financial planner to sort of coordinate all those efforts but you know if you're presenting that to those COIs, you know, the idea that you should be quarterback is probably going to be news to them. And, and they, they may not necessarily, you know, they may not necessarily be signing up for the team, you know, to be the tight end, you know, as opposed to the quarterback. So, and, and if you look at public surveys, and, and I'm going to ask you about this because mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you've done research like this, but when, when, the, when, when, uh, when they do public surveys um, and they ask about who's most influential in the mm-hmm. financial area, you know, I, what what I've seen is um, is that usually the, the the CPA is the one that comes out on the on the top of the heap. What have you seen? In, in yeah, that? I've seen similar research, and, <clears throat> and we've done it has. It's been a while since we've looked at it, but really, it's that trusted advisor. Now, right. I, and similarly, I've seen many financial advisors who who rightly play that role. Yeah. But if you just ask blind, yeah, uh, I, I think you're right. Like, why why would you put yourself in that position and 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 in fairness it's contrary to what is really true anyway the clients at the center you're you're all revolving around well right right so and well and 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 it's important too because what's more important than positioning yourself as the leader of the team is to be a good team player Mm. and so some of the things that advisors can do to increase trust with those centers of influence is to figure out how they can help, how they can facilitate the other people getting their goals accomplished in regard to the client. So, like how do that, I make your world easier? Exactly. So I, that yeah. that could that could be things like you know before the tax season, you know, and for and here's a tip for everybody: if you don't have relationships with all of the other advisors that work for your clients, that's that's the low hanging fruit. Yeah. So. Go if there are attorneys or accountants that work with your advisors that you don't know, <clears throat> those should be the first phone calls because that's sure. easy, right? We share a client, and with an accountant, for example, before tax season, you can call up all those accountants of your clients and say, you know, I want to make. I know that that you know we do our we do our business all year long, and it doesn't matter when clients come see us, but we know that all of your clients come see you sometime between you know February first and April first. And so 
you've got a crazy, so what, what can we do to help you have the stuff that you need to be able to prepare our mutual clients return? Mm-hmm. And that's just being a team player, right? Yeah. That, that's just showing them that you want to work together with them and that you want to play together as a team and that you want to, you know, work, you want to do that so that it helps the client get a better outcome from everybody. Well, yeah, exactly. And, you know, in, in that vein, um, treating COIs in the same way you would your other clients. So look for content that is valuable to them, share information. I mean, they have many of the same objectives, right? Right, They work with large number of clients. They're thinking about uh, engagement and experience. So much of what uh, we come across in this industry would be absolutely valuable. I have, I've worked with advisors who have had, you know, sort of breakfast working groups with a bunch of professionals yeah. where they just talk about what's, you know, what's going on with client communications. They're just facilitating they're but they're adding so much value to that process. In fact, I've, uh, and this is, it's only been once or twice, but I've seen, um, advisors, when we're working with them on gathering feedback from their clients, they want a separate survey to gather feedback from their COIs uh, so that they can say, how was the process of working with us? Mm-hmm. You know, oh, interesting. When you oh, that's great. clients to us, yeah, yeah. what happened? And what to, So it's really like treating them like they're a client because to some extent they are. Yeah. And, and that includes um, including them on all the communications that you send out right. to clients. So for example, um, it, I, I, I still practice, I have clients and we've talked about advisor stream. We've had, uh, we've had Kevin on the show. And, yeah. and, uh, so we're a subscriber to advisor stream mm-hmm. and I include all the centers of influence in that. And so right. there are times when I'll go out with a client to see, um, to see the attorney and I've had the, I've had the experience of the attorney saying, Hey, thanks for sending me those newsletters. Those, those articles are really interesting, you know, and, and it, it's, it's a great opportunity to start a conversation, you know, because then I can respond with, Hey, listen, if you know that there's something happening in the law that would affect people like our mutual client here, let me know because we'll keep our eyes out for articles like that and, and include them or, you know, we might even, you know, interview you for that and, and, uh, and and broadcast that to everybody if they need to know that. So you're talking about broad communications, not because I mean, as you started talking about that, I was going privacy issues, privacy issues, but not <laughs> specific client right. uh, information, but more broadly, this right. is what we're doing, right. and and can you help us out? Right. Okay. So for example, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, we had a big push on um, making sure that you have your estate documents in order because you know if if a lot of people are going to be getting sick, then we want to make sure everybody has a current healthcare proxy and power of attorney and right. and those kinds of things, and so. But in New York State, where I am, um, there were all kinds of rules that constrained that, that, that you had to have an in-person witness and you had to have a notarization and you had to have all kinds of things, which was difficult when you weren't allowed to get out and see people. So uh, New York relaxed some of those rules so that you could, in fact, update your will without necessarily getting person to person with some of the people that needed to be there. And so we, you know, some of the attorneys told us about that. And so we communicated that to everybody. That was an mm-hmm. important development in, in a state law uh, that our clients needed to know about. So it's, it's things like that that I'm talking about.
right? And I and there are opportunities, right, to promote them as well in, in soft ways. I mean, we can, if we have our list of, of people that we've vetted and, and it comes up in conversation, then obviously recommending them is one of the best ways to get the, the, the reciprocal referral. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I remember you talking about maybe some creative ways to include them in your content and, and that kind of thing. Can you talk about that? Sure. So on, on our blog, um, you know, we, we, uh, well, we, for example, we interviewed an estate attorney about some of how those, how those rules had uh, been relaxed and changed. And so we're not really, we're not the experts at that. So we didn't write about that ourselves. We brought in an attorney who could talk a little bit about it. And so we interviewed him about that. And, um, and, you know, we, we can, you know, we, we, we can solicit articles from, uh, from centers of influence about their area of expertise. And we can, you know, put that into our client communication, let everybody know because it's a useful piece of information, but it also helps promote them as well and get their name out. It does. You know, one of the things that uh, we've, we've often recommended along those lines is if you're doing uh, a client event, even if it's a small client event, kind of set the table. Think of, you know, who you want at that table. Uh, and ideally it's a, your great clients, a couple of prospects, and that's a, that's the opportunity to have a COI uh, involved as well. Right. So mm-hmm. have them part of those events that you're running, um, encourage them to invite their own clients if it's of interest, but they're there, they're interacting and they're part of the conversation with your clients. Yeah. Well, and, and that's, a, if you've got a good enough relationship with the center of influence, that what you just mentioned can be a, a, a the most you know really powerful way of doing that, which is to have a joint event. So right. we're going to get together. We're going to talk about this particular topic, and yes. um, Jane, attorney, is going to talk about this the legal aspects of it, and then I'm going to talk about the financial aspects of it, and we're both going to invite all of you know all of our clients to it. So my clients who don't have an attorney will be exposed to Jane and. Jane's clients who don't have a financial advisor can be exposed to me. And that, that can be, you know, that can be a very powerful thing. We also uh, routinely include a center of influence or two in client advisory boards. And okay. so, uh, and we do that for a few reasons. What one of them is that obviously one of the, ob- one of the objectives, not, not one of the direct ones, but one of the ones that we kind of, you know, that, that, comes out of that experience is that the people on the board tend to become better referral sources. And so any of your clients are probably in a position to refer you one or a few times a year, but a center of influence is potentially in a position to refer you all the time. And so having them in your advisory board can be very powerful, but they can also speak for a broader segment of your clients, right? So each of the clients in the room on the board can speak from their own experience but if a center of influence has referred a few people, they can speak on behalf of all of those people that have referred you. And, yeah. you know, and then on top of that, of course, it's never, it's never a bad thing to get a center of influence in a room and have, you know, a dozen of your best clients just talk about how much they love you in front of them. You know, that's, Absolutely. that's, <laughs> that's that can be nice that, that it's limited in scope because you can really only do it one or two at a time until their rotation on the board is over, but it's powerful when, when you can do it. Well, I mean, to that end, we often recommend when clients do do feedback that they create a summary of the results and share it with their centers of influence because mm-hmm. it's quantitative, right? Yeah, and that's great. Is, that's this great. This is what we've we've done. I'd love to share share something that uh, I think, if I think back, has been 
the most successful COI uh, activity generating <laughs> thing that we've ever Great. done. We did this uh, a few times. Um, I'm going to speak, you know, start with with our experience on the feedback side, but. Um, uh, so let me paint it as a simple, a single example. We have an advisor who has a very close relationship with an accountant. Okay. Um, so we do feedback with accountants as well as advisors. And each of them does a client survey. Okay. So the results are completely confidential. They're asking about their own world. They're, you know, it's relevant to each of them. But at the same time, they each seek cross-selling opportunities for the other. So the accountant includes a conversation or a question about, are you interested in learning about, you know, it could be wealth management or do you have a financial plan right now or that sort of question. And the financial advisor asks if they're happy with their accountant or if they're interested in certain types of consulting tax strategy. And so what ends up happening is they both unearthed opportunities for one another. It still has to be confidential, right? Sure. We can't just right. share that yep. information. But as you can imagine, it goes straight to, a, look, I saw that this is what you said. Uh, would you, Are you interested in me making an introduction? Because I, I think this would be great. And it's it's incredible how much comes out of just that opportunity. The, the biggest opportunities we've seen on earth is surveying an accountant's clients and finding how many of them aren't working with a professional advisor or don't oh, interesting. Have a plan. Like it's, it's quite amazing. And then we had one advisor who took that one step further. They asked about uh, topics. We always do this, uh, you know, what topics are you interested in? They both asked about it. And then let me bring it back to the point you made, sure. they did a joint event. So again, now you don't have to uh, have to share information, but you can legitimately say, our clients told us they were interested in X and we're going to run a joint event with this advisor. And now, boom, you've got right. all of those people in the room. So, you know, it's so much of this comes down to just being really intentional about, right, <laughs> about exactly. the strategy, not just hoping it all works. There's a lot of thought and strategy that goes into that. Well, and 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 doing something, you know, having a strategy that can help you get introduced to people and not just waiting for the other person to introduce right. you to people, right? Yeah. So like a joint event like that is a perfect yeah. example of that. Yeah. You know, that that's a way where the the attorney or the accountant doesn't have to put their neck on the line to make an individual in, uh, introduction, they can bring them to an educational seminar where there's value and they learn something and they get something beneficial. And if they want to pick up a conversation with the, with the advisor after that, great, that's, you know, that, that's, that's their choice, right? So it's, it's, a, it's a whole different level of, of risk that the COI is taking on. It really is. And, you know, and I think we have to be careful that, you know, going back to your first comments on relationship, this doesn't mean that we say, well, I, I have relationships uh, with 10 COIs, so I'm going to ask them all to do joint events with me. And, you know, there's probably one or two where yeah. you've built that relationship and you've built that trust and, and you, you know, this isn't something you pitch. <laughs> you right. need to be as <laughs> sure about them as they are about you uh, and, and then limit it. But you you know, just working with one or two, you can get a lot of out of that. Right. Right. So in summary, you know, the, what, what, where this often goes wrong, if I'm, if I'm hearing you correctly, where this often goes wrong for advisors is that they, um, they, they, they take it from a transactional standpoint. They, they figure they can just ask and that they will receive 
and that there are, you know, there's really about a relationship mm -hmm. and that there are different ways of building that relationship that is, you know, working together as a team, appreciating their concerns and their risks and their perspective on the whole thing. Um, having, uh, being able to show a center of influence that you have a specific way, a specific plan for solving a specific set of problems that some of their clients may be experiencing, and then looking to to uh, you know to uh, to actively put together things that uh, that can help bring people together and 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 reduce the uh, the the um, the level of work that a, a center of influence would have to do for you to get to meet some of their clients. What did I miss in that in that list? No, I, I mean that's that a that's a great summary. It's as you talk, it's saying. You know, have a COI experience in the same way you have a client. Oh, that's an interesting like, way of looking like, at it. Yeah, take it that seriously. But I, I think that uh, I think if we can, if if an advisor can just do some of those things, it it will change the the impact and the results that they see. Yep, I agree. Well, um, we hope that uh, there are some tips in here that that you all can use and get more referrals from centers of influence. And we will be talking with you again very soon. Take care. Hey folks, Steve again. Thanks for joining us on Becoming Referrable. If you like what you've been hearing, please do us a favor and rate us on iTunes. It really helps. You can get all the links, show notes, and other tidbits from these episodes at becomingreferrable.com. You can also get our free report, Three Referral Myths That Limit Your Growth, and connect with our blogs and other resources. So until next time, so long.